One Space Love Podcast for the love of music, lifestyle and well-being while caring for our planet. On this podcast, I will be chatting with musicians, artists and creative minds that are living life on purpose while doing what they love. You're listening to One Space Love Podcast and I'm your host, Stephanie Pappas. My next guest is Anya Tyrrell. She has been living over in Australia for almost a decade now. She's an Irish-born singer-songwriter and I was really looking forward to catch up with Anya. I've been watching her on social media and just seeing her get stronger and stronger with the messages that she's sharing and stepping into her power. She's releasing the day after we release this episode a song called We Call You Now. It's not a song, it's not a rap, it's not a spoken word. It is a powerful message downloaded through her in collaboration with all that's involved in this track. And we go straight in in this chat and talk about it. And I really urge you all to go and get onto this link and support this track and see how it resonates for you. I love this chat. I, I just get more and more excited with each episode I do. There are so many powerful messages being shared um, with these creative souls just being able to step into the light and to be vulnerable to share their truth through their art and um, Anya is definitely a woman who is doing that so I hope you enjoy it. This is my guest Anya Tyrrell. Welcome Anya Tyrrell to One Space Love podcast. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting to know you so much and I have spent a lot of time on socials watching you, especially during this experience that we're all experiencing as a collective. Um, I found your music and your voice a lot of comfort in these times. So now having had the chance to weave back through, you know, how you got to be sharing the music that you are sharing so powerfully, um, I'm really excited actually to have you on the show. So thank you so much for saying yes. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks for digging deep into all this stuff as well. You know, it's a, yeah, thank you. No, you're very welcome. I start off all the shows by asking my guest if you could introduce yourself by completing the statement, I am. So if you could answer, I am. Uh, I am... uh, Onya Tyrrell. In Irish, that's Ismisha. Ismisha Onya Nitril. And I do like to introduce myself Asquelga in Irish because I think it's important to touch back in with our native languages, um, whatever they may be, um, and touch back in with our ancestors and who we come from. So Ismisha Onya Nitril. Um, I'm an Irish singer-songwriter based on Bunjalung country up in northern New South Wales at the moment and due to lockdown it looks like <laughs> I'm here for the foreseeable little while <laughs> yes. but I have um, 
spent the last few years traveling back and forth touring between Ireland and Australia. Um, so I do get to get home a lot in the past life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was introduced to your music through a friend of mine who I've had on the show, James Boundy from Boundy Sound. And he was um, doing the sound for you at Black Lives Matter. And yes. that's how I was introduced to you. Do you want to share like what events happened after that and how you got to bring out this track, We Call You Now? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Bandy and I have, um, I've, I've known him since I moved up here. He, I think he did the first sound. I, I played at Muller Music Fest when he was the first sound engineer. And you know, when you just, I don't know, as a musician, you meet a sound engineer that just totally gets you and you don't need to explain anything. They just like produce this magic sound. And, and when you're on stage and playing and you're in that comfort of that, you as a musician can reach much higher places. I don't know. Um, it's like well, being well, the held. the space is held. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but he's always been so anytime we've tried to arrange to either have him work at do festivals for me or different projects where I could bring him on the road. We've always kind of like missed paths, just like, you know, he's flying out to here and I'm going there or I'll be playing one day and then he's not at that place. Um, so when, when we went into lockdown up here, I was like, well, Bandy's here. At least I can work on sort of the craft of my solo set and maybe do some work with him. And so, um, we were doing some work on my live streaming and then um, I was asked to help out with the Banyara Culture Collective who I've collaborated with um, a lot um, up here on, in the Northern Rivers. Um, they're a brilliant indigenous collective of artists and musicians and um, dancers and um, yeah, activists. And uh, so when they, when they asked, you know, and I was like, oh, sure, I'll bring the sound, I'll do everything. And then uh, I just said to Bandy, you know, maybe my skills mightn't be <laughs> up for it. I'm going to bring my gear, but like, could you be there? They're expecting 50 people was what they expected. And um, I kind of was like, I reckon you're going to get like 250. But then it was like, 3,000 people and my goodness were we happy to have Bounty there <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, yeah and then for me um, they had asked me to sing at it and at first I I had I had said no um, because I didn't think it was my place as a as a white woman to take up any space at the event sharing a perspective that wasn't going to be helpful if, if you know what I mean, like the perspectives needed to come from the, the indigenous um, collective there that were sharing their experiences. But um, I, I, they asked again, and I suppose I thought, yeah, well, for them, when they're holding this serious space the whole time, having something like music to let everyone take a breath, maybe uh, an idea. And also... Um, if there is something that I can bring to the conversation from a white person who has a colonized past, yeah. if, if I can speak to some people that their ears aren't open to the indigenous perspective for some reason, even if it's just one person or something, um, I felt that I could stand there in support of their message rather than taking the time to 
spread anything I needed to spread or our message. It was, can I stand there in support, I suppose, of their message? And um, because we had worked on a track before um, in this house oh, with, with them. About, amazing um, track, yeah. Yeah, which, which talks about a welcome to country and, and talking about that idea of what, what asking for permission is, you know, to come onto someone's land. And coming from Ireland, you know, there was not a lot of knocking on doors either, which is where the imagery from that song came from. And um, so I, I said yes to sing that song and stand there in support and, and help with the sound system and help with anything else that they needed because, um, yeah, I, I'm passionate about um, equality, you know, in, in all forms and shapes and, and really having lived in Australia, it is a jarring experience as an Irish person to live in an English colony, you know, it, like straight away, that's just a jarring experience. And the more that I've lived here and the more that I've got to know and been privileged to understand and listen to the indigenous experience more, the more I've felt connected to Australia because I couldn't feel connected to it as an English colony. Like I, I just couldn't, it just was like, it is not an experience that yeah, I could. A lot of people connect say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so, so I, I, I sang the track on, on the day and supported them in that way. And, and then um, as with anything, I suppose, when you speak out or you stand up for something, there are people on, um, on the internet and on, on various places who perceive you to be one way or want you to be something. And then when you stand up for something else, um, they, they have other opinions of what you should be, I suppose is the best way to describe it without putting down um, everyone because I think everyone comes to their own learning at different times on everything you know and and I, I I don't like to discredit anyone with the chance to learn more do you know what I mean yep, totally. um, so yeah I got I got some backlash for having supported that I suppose the all lives matter argument was used as well as it being in times of COVID and why was I putting myself out and the community at risk and why was I this and why was I that and and I sat with that for a little while <laughs> and then I I I think that we call you now came from a really deep place like that was just the last thing that bubbled over inside of me where I kind of was like I there is an experience in this country, the, the, the Irish Australian experience that ha hasn't been spoke, to, spoke about enough. And in some ways, um, the experience needs to recognize the indigenous experience, you know, and, um, and so all my emotions around being Irish living here uh, mixed with the time that we're living in and what we are all being asked to do, I felt I had no other choice in a way than to kind of speak straight to um, these Irish Australians. That be, it, because I, I should say that the, the people that um, confronted me about supporting that had some claim of Irishness to them. And, 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 and so I kind of was like... 
this is a history lesson that hasn't been told in Australia for various reasons. And I, I didn't intend to write the track. I didn't intend for any of it. Like it's completely different to anything I've ever done. It's like eight minutes, nearly eight minutes long and it's like spoken words and it's, and it just kind of bubbled over inside of me. But I think it was all those experiences and culminating in the fact that we can't stay silent anymore as white people, you know, like it's, it's, it's our duty. Well, you to say, hold. you say it's your duty to take part. You're the daughters of rebels. You are the sons of poets. Remember who you are. Your ancestors knew it. We call you now. I hope mm. I quoted that correctly, but yes, thank you. <laughs> so well yeah. said. Yeah. And I, I, I feel, yeah, I, I already know. I mean, I, I was speaking to my manager today and we were like, we, I, are, I already know some people that have heard it have felt uncomfortable, like they're, they're uncomfortable with okay. it. And that's what art is meant to do. You know, it's meant to, from the discomfort, then we can start having conversations. And Real she conversations. was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did and she, she was like, you just, just in that I need to be prepared. Like as in there, there's going to be people that take that, uncomfortableness and then have a conversation about it which is what has been happening on my patreon community where i have um kind of a collective of people that support what i do and so they get the track early and all that stuff yes and 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 they're really open to the conversations after but there are going to be some people that get this uncomfortable message and then lash out in the ways that that people can (laughs) when they have keyboards in front of them so um so yeah, I, I but I but I'm prepared for that uncomfortableness because I just feel so deeply that we 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 can't stay silent anymore. We can't stay in our comfort zones. Like this is the result of people staying in their lanes. Do you know what I mean? Stay in your lane. Stay in where your comfort. As an Irish person, stay right there. You know, as an Indigenous person, stay right there. As a English person, you know. And I, I think, yeah, the 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 drive behind it or the um, kind of inner rumblings just comes from the fact that I enough I enough is enough yeah mm. no more can we be silent which is very much what this time is about isn't it it's it's a time that I feel you've really taken hold of I mean you've really been at the forefront at this time doing things to make a difference I mean, if anyone, (laughs) I always say, you know, what are your abilities? How can you make a difference and use your abilities? And I really see that you are a soul that is using your abilities to make a sound, make a change (laughs) through your sound and your voice, um, your vibration, and just all the platforms that you're working on. It's incredible Mm. um, and admirable to watch and witness. So (laughs) you don't know, I mean, from my side, I suppose you don't know. I just keep going to the next thing that's true. And I really do. I'm, I'm a believer in following that inner knowing and what you're supposed to do next. And I don't know why sometimes, like I have no idea why this track came to be and, but it needs to come out. And so you don't know that. Yeah. So thank you. I have to trust. And <laughs> yeah, from there, I wanted to say, because just holding on the track for a minute because you got to work with a few incredible people within that track. So let's talk of the positive side of that. Yeah. And Echo Magazine, just Echo Daily, just 
um, wrote, the seven minute cultural smackdown is a departure in style and tone for Anya, who gathers force in a wildly emotive spoken word rant that is reminiscent of the musical poetry of rock greats like Patti Smith. How did you feel? <laughs> that floored me. <laughs> yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> she, yeah, she's a hero, absolute hero of mine. And, you know, I, I, I saw her play three years ago at, um, at uh, Byron Bay Blues Fest. Yes. And much of my, the album I just released um, last year, Return to the Return. Sea, yeah. Um, you know, one song actually came as an inspiration um, uh, after hearing Paddy Smith play. And, and it was basically that, you know, there's, we, we can make a change. Like we can be loud and we can say the things that need to be said. And we have the power, you know, the people have the power like that's Paddy Smith's. So, um, so yeah, I, I, admire I always have really admired Patti Smith so to hear that that being track, quoted yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it was um yeah because she yeah she's a force she's a powerful powerful force that that has music like hers has has changed the cultural landscape you know like people sometimes you know talking to someone or preaching at them about, you know, you should change or this is, you know, I'm pointing that finger and doing that. You're like, you're wrong. I'm right. Like you see it now in so many ways right now in the time that we're in, it do- that doesn't work, you yeah. know, but sometimes one line in a song or one quote in a movie or one um, artistic piece can it's move people yeah. to change, you know, and I suppose to think that, that exists within this track for even one person is the reason I'm releasing it. You know, I mean, my manager like ages ago was like, so you have to have a purpose. Why are you releasing it? You know, just to get me in the head of what this is about. And I was like, well, if it shifts one person's belief a little bit further towards equality, then I've done my job. Yeah. Done my job. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about some of the people that you collaborated with in that track. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it was amazing to work with James uh, yeah. Boundy. Obviously, I feel really honoured. Um, and he really honoured the the rawness and the sentiment of the original, what, what I had kind of intended of it. And he didn't really want to change it in any way. He just wanted to preserve that and, and allow that to come out. Um, and... Then Emily Waramara, who uh, I've toured with for, um, yeah, we went to Ireland last year and we've toured How did you get to tour with Emily? How did you get to tour with her? Can we just go off that track yeah. for a bit? Yeah. Yeah, well, really interesting. Actually, her manager, who, who now manages me, um, when Emily released Black Smoke, um, yeah. this is like five years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. I was touring through Queensland at the time and she got in touch and just was like, I know you sing in language, Emily sings in language. I just think it would be this nice synergy. synergy. And from that, Emily and I just like, you know, we met in the toilet at, you know, the milk bar in Brisbane, I think it was. (laughs) And we were just like, I know you, you know. And yeah, so we've we've crossed paths a lot over the, um, and always been, 
you know, at different festivals, jumped up on each other's sets or, or been, um, been that. And then in the last, um, yeah, probably the last two years, just more of a concerted effort to plan things properly together as the, the stories, you know, um, the stories of, of uh, our, both of our cultural stories from where we come from as well, like Emily has these amazing mermaid stories and the, the saltwater people from the Northern ter Territory. Um, she's from Groit Island originally. Okay. And um, so where I come from on the west coast of Ireland, we have all these legends of the Selkies, which are like seal people. Uh, um, and so her and I have always talked, and her mom as well, um, beautiful Angela, about these... Um, yeah, the similarities, like some of the stories are like really, really incredibly similar, but they're different centuries parts. old from yeah. different parts of the world. And and yeah, so I mean, that that also, I suppose, brought us together in in um, in wanting to collaborate. And then she's the first person when I recorded that I just kind of the, the whole track came out in this one I, I don't even know just I, I wrote it in one sitting and it just kind of came out and then I just was wow. like I'm just going to record it into GarageBand just like send it and I sent it to her and I was like I don't know what to do with this you know <laughs> I sent it to her and a beautiful friend of mine Dobby who's a hip-hop artist from Sydney mm. and I was like does it need to be more rap does it need to be more spoken word does it need to like where does it need to go and both of them were just like don't touch it like exactly how it is is the way it's meant to be and just bring that out as it is mm. and she got to feature on the track yeah so then yeah of course I said to her do you want to sing on it and um yeah I just incredible contribution from her in all the right places that Bandy and I like thought the track was full you know and then we're like no it obviously needed that mm. and then Dinawan um is part of the Banyara Culture Collective and we asked him to play the Yadaki, the didgeridoo on the track as well. And that was another just, you know, he did it in one take and everything on it was like beyond perfect and Bandy and I are just gone. <laughs> so everything just kind of... Um, well, it's like there was other powers working with you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 Um, Bell, who's in the, Bell Budden, who's in the Banyara Culture yeah. Collective as well, was like, um, you know, when you leave room for spirit, these yeah. things happen and, and you could feel, yeah. I mean, even in the writing of it, like I, I literally was shaking when it was coming out and it didn't, I didn't stop shaking until like the last word was done. And I was like, I think that means it's done. <laughs> you know so you yeah it definitely came from a very deep a deep place you know where did you connect with the Banyara collective because it um, seems like you have been connecting with the ancestors and the spirits which you know how you have these experiences so where did that you know how did you cross paths um so when I moved up here first it was a good friend of mine is friends with Belle um as well and so connected bell and i together and um and for whatever reasons we sort of didn't get to meet up kind of in the first few months that i was here but then when i played um Mullah music festival um 
Bell kept being mistaken for me because I had sang with um, Yiramol because I, I, when I was living down in Victoria, Yiramol was living in Victoria. He's back up in um, Arnhem Land now, but okay. and him and I were again put on a lot of double bills together with that connection of language and and story and song. Um, and so him him and I toured a lot together down in Victoria. And when he was playing up here, I, I was singing with him um, and people thought it was Belle on stage. And she finally like she came up to me, she's like, okay, the third time I got mistaken for you, I was like, I have to talk to this woman. This is like, a, <laughs> this, is a, um, this is a sign. Um, yeah, so then I, I, I suppose I just, I just went along to everything that I was invited to as in supporting them on NADOC week or different things or helping with sound and, 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 and them with me as well, you know, they really appreciated getting to know my culture and my stories and different things. And then in this house, I suppose it'll be the first kind of formal collaboration that we did on that track. The film um, clip is incredible. Please listeners go and check out the film clip. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. And again, and again, that was sort of, you know, we spirit took over that too. We didn't have a huge plan for mm. that. It just kind of evolved on the day in this most like beautiful experience. And um, yeah, so I think that's been, um, that's been a beautiful connection with Banyara Culture Collective is that it, it's, it's a, it's a real cultural exchange you know it's not me I, I think making you're you're also giving, yeah yep. I think for me you know and and for them as well we've both I I get it a lot here with the with my Irish culture and Irish identity there's so many people that have a history of Irish heritage and they don't they don't know how to how to explore that or find that and so and and they want to connect into it so when they meet someone who's Irish they're like oh, I need to know more and I need to know this and my great-grandmother was this and my this and that and, 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 and um and sometimes it's it's overwhelming because you're just like god I'm just here trying to you know, <laughs> do it and give my piece when I'm when I'm performing and everything I'm trying to share all that and and, and everything and it can sometimes feel like a delta has an amazing delta k has delta k is from banyara collective yeah. yeah and delta is like it's like cultural farming like they just like try to take these bits and sometimes people's intention isn't to do that like they just they they're trying to find out more and, and they, yeah. they're just seeking and yeah. and so i think from both of our both of us have been subject to that similar thing so when we approach other people's culture I know I I do try to just sit and listen for as long as I can and not try to um take because I have my own you know I have and 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 that's the the powerful thing is I I have I have my own culture to to explore and feel into so when I see them dancing and 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 being powerful in theirs it, it ignites it ignites more in me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a beautiful, you know, and same for them. I'm sure like, you know, when they see me and my power doing my thing as well, it's a, it's an affirmation of what they're doing as well. 
Well, talking about where you've come from, you've, you grew up around storytelling and your father was a musician, Sean, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah, Sean, yeah. And so was he a big influence in who you are today or was there, was there other people that were influences along the path? Yeah, huge. I mean, I think single most influence in what I do would definitely have to be my dad. And, yeah. and when I, I actually, when I sent him this recent track, he just kind of was like, yes, you know, as right. <laughs> um, as in all his years of hard work and, you know, seeping everything, it's obviously seeped in. Yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, and you know, my dad, not only being an incredible musician, really his roots are in traditional Irish music. So we, we grew up with a sense of culture, you know, from the get go and, and, and these tunes and songs that are passed on through an oral tradition mostly you know now nowadays people um write music and read music but you know my dad comes from a generation where they didn't and so he taught us all to learn by ear and to listen and to tune in to a bank of melody that's been passed on from generations to generations to generation i mean these tunes are thousands and thousands of years old and we're still playing them and there's something so it's special mystical, about that isn't it yeah mystical yeah. magical about that yeah yeah so he i suppose an honor of an honor of where we come from has always been part of who we are and then just to have that musical bank of melody and in that is incredible and then he sought out um a lot of old irish poetry and set it to music um that's his uh passion I suppose so he he dug through and trolled through incredible books and libraries and wherever just to re re um, invigorate words from a long time ago you know and um and one of one of his passion projects has been the work of John Boyle O'Reilly who was a convict who was sent out to Australia on the last convict ship the Hougamont and his his he ended up um, escaping in this amazing, um, it was called the Catalpa. The ship came from Boston and freed all these Irish political prisoners. But he lived with the indigenous people in Fremantle for, you know, a few weeks while that happened. And, and his interactions with all that have also always been, from a very young age, those mm. stories have been a part of my, you know, knowledge and, and what I know. And so I suppose my dad, yeah definitely will be a huge influence i mean my my mom listened to you know like john baez and buffy saint marie and all the like you know my dad was strictly like traditional irish music you know yeah. i remember a producer of his was over and i was talking to him about bob marley and <laughs> my dad's like who's bob marley <laughs> you know it's <laughs> you know, pretty funny um yeah so my mom had a much more of a modern influence and then probably more the you know um, feminist literature and the you know Maya Angelou and you know oh, amazing, amazing writers and stuff that that all came from my mom so my dad with a real deep sense of tradition and where we came from and and incredible stories and he's an amazing storyteller my dad too so you know um, and then with my mom I suppose we got um, a whole other you know influence were they together in. or did they live in the same yeah they they separated when I was you know around seven, 
um, and my mom lived uh, moved back to America. She's from America originally and lived in Ireland for about twenty years. And um, yeah, and I mean that alone was pretty amazing because at that at a young age we traveled back and forth between America and Ireland, kind of like people travel between, you know, houses now. And we, so we had a, um, I suppose, quite a, a world experience at very young, young ages as well. Because you've done a lot of work supporting the gender diversity in the music industry. And especially mm. at the moment, you currently wrote a letter to the Irish president. Have I got it right? Yes. And you got a response. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so another thing on your path that you actually have spoken up. And I also was listening to the vagina conversations. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you were brought to tears. I mean, how vulnerable your sharing was mm. in being a mother and your journey mm. along that. So mm. I'll let you take either one of those statements where you want to go <laughs> but really important oh, big. Yeah, yeah really important um for women today especially you know there's yeah. a lot coming up i think at the moment you know what we're experiencing is almost like the cup is being shaken and everything is coming up to the surface you know collective worldwide we're experiencing something together and mm. so all these issues are starting to really no longer be hidden the truth yes. needs to be told now. So, yeah. you know, the fact that you're speaking out and able to so vulnerably share both these issues, you know, again, admirable again. Um, where did this come from? Because it sounds, you know, to see you in tears during the vagina conversation, there's some root there that is being ruffled, you know, um, yeah. shaken up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I suppose, um, I mean, my mom has been a feminist from, from the start. So we always had, okay. you know, a good dose of that. Um, and um, with, the, with the gender report, I suppose, I'll, I'll start there and then move backwards. Um, I was part of um, the musicians movement here in Australia. You know, that was probably about three, four years ago when that conversation started coming out. And um, and when that conversation was happening here in Australia, I kind of was like, I, I looking at Ireland being like, when are we going to have this conversation? Because this is, if Australia is bad, I knew Ireland was like really, really bad mm -hmm. with, with a lot of the issues on gender parity, on uh, radio, on festival lineups, on labels, on um, in the media being represented as success stories, whatever. Like I, I was kind of looking at Australia, being like, it's kind of bad here, but you've you've not been to Ireland yet, you know. <laughs> and um, and then touring back there in the last few years, every time I go back and you look at festival lineups and you look at the radio and you look and just sitting there going like how come no one is having a conversation that there are like 50 dudes on a festival lineup and two women and we're okay with this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and when the Me Too movement happened again all over the world, it missed Ireland. Like there was one uh, theater director that, that came under fire, but then in general missed over Ireland. And you know, parts, part of the reason that I um, started playing music in Australia again 
uh, well, a huge part of it is that I found a supportive group of women to play music here and were very supportive of me. Starting again, I stopped playing music in Ireland because of the toxic male okay. music industry that, that so many of us have put up with for so many years in Ireland. And um, yeah, playing music in Melbourne, I yeah. found a collective of women that were really supportive so that even if all these things are happening in the music industry, which happen here and they happen in America, they happen everywhere, you know, yeah. anywhere where there's power and control, you have, you, uh, you know, you have this, this issue. And, um, but I, I felt this amazing group of women that were playing that even if that was happening, I felt like there was this supportive network so I could play. And as a mother, I could play music. Whereas I didn't feel safe at all in the situations myself in Ireland playing music. So to be a mom, having my kids part of that space as well just felt like um not not possible so um my publicist linda who i've worked with for years in ireland also yeah also witnessed how many female acts she has versus male acts and how many success stories there were for men and how few success stories there were for women and so during the time of COVID, she reached out and just said, I've been compiling this information. And basically, she didn't want to stand up with the information alone. And really, I have the privilege of earning a living over here. So the backlash of me standing up and, you know, the possibility of being blacklisted off radio and sort of silenced, I felt like it was a risk I was... I could take from here whereas yeah. my female colleagues that are still in Ireland like I know myself if I didn't have the power to earn over here there's no way I would feel comfortable speaking up on my own in Ireland about it mm. um, but it's been extremely powerful because you know a lot of Irish women that we've all been feeling this for years like we've all felt so many of us are are making music abroad you know, even I have so many friends that are outside of Ireland, women that that are making their livings abroad. And we've felt it for years and not been able to kind of have the data to say this is what it is. It's just been our feelings. And, you know, in any conversation about um, women's rights, if you start with feelings, then you just get dismissed as being, yeah. you know, emotional. Feminine, emotional, or, yeah all of that so we finally had the data to say well yeah this is a massive exclusion i mean the data came back as majority of the radio stations were between 90 and 100 percent male playlisting there's one radio station that had 50 50 parity and that's rte which is the national yep. broadcaster and all the other radio stations really struggled to get anywhere 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 beyond like 90% in their male playlisting which just shows you know um like it's not just the radio like i mean we could have done that report on festival lineups we could have done it on label management um, yeah. management we could have done it on anything and it'll show the exact same disparity mm -hmm. because that's just like that's a small part of the ecosystem that is very much male dominated and then the same time as our report came out um the misha foster hashtag started happening in in irish misha foster is me too mm -hmm. and um 
So in the traditional Irish music scene and the folk scene, all the stories of women um, that, you know, the sad part for me is like I was making music in Ireland 20 years ago and it stopped me from making it. Mm. Um, and I had the opportunity to move out here and start making music again. And I'm like, in those 20 years, how many women were powerhouses and what they're doing and could be incredible artists and gave up because of the sexual misconduct that is rife in the music scene over there it's just it's a given I mean even my last few times going home to tour even in this day and age where this stuff is all being talked about it's so blatant and it's so there and it's so much a part of what is accepted just to play music and it's just like <laughs> the conversation about what is acceptable and not acceptable didn't make it and, until these last few months and and I'm I, I'm honored to be part of it I'm sad that it like that Necessary. it's carried on for this many generations and I wish that I had spoke about it 20 years ago so that these young women wouldn't be facing what they're facing now but right now that the the strength amongst the Irish women in music is so strong like I feel like we've all connected on another level that we've never been able to connect on before because the system has kind of <laughs> pushed us apart from each other um and the start of that I mean I know an interview I did recently on the report they were like oh so why do you think it's you know like this and whatever and what do you think the yes. future is and I was like well we only got the rights to our female reproductive parts <laughs> two years ago. So like until that was like, until we were actually considered, you know, responsible <laughs> and um, until we were actually allowed to have authority over our own bodies and our futures, I don't think this conversation about us on the radio was ever going to come out. So I kind of feel like, I was part of the repeal movement, which is the vagina conversations that, that I think you saw. I was part of the conversations around that. I'm part of the global um, team that were working overseas to fly Irish women home that could vote. So we did fundraising over here to get as many women home to vote as we could. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was because you can't vote from overseas. Oh. Um, yeah, so we just basically fundraised to get anyone that was eligible. And you you have to have been living and working in Ireland within the last 12 months to have been able to vote. So someone like me couldn't go home to vote. Um, so like we just had to find as many people we could get home to vote. So that was our kind of like mission. Um, and my conversation in the Vagina Monologues was was about... The long-term effects of that, you know, the long-term, what has been passed down to my, my, grand, my great-grandmothers, my grandmother, my mom, my aunties, my sisters, my friends, um, the conversations around contraception that we all grew up in, the conversations around keeping a family together at all costs, yep. you know, and, and I was a victim of domestic abuse and, and I... And my, my children and, and a lot of that is around the narrative on what what the Catholic Church has um, filtered down into Irish society. And even though like, you know, I grew up in a really progressive like 
um, left left leaning family and and around all of that, it's still it's what you're handed down as a cultural narrative, and it's what your and it's what your sort of shame and guilt and everything that like is inside of you. Um, so the repeal for me was um, was loaded with so much, you know, and I think for all Irish women. Like, I mean, the video of, of that final yes, there's a, you can look it up on YouTube when the final yes got counted in um, Dublin Castle. And the roar of Irish women in that yes is something I will never forget in my life. Like I stayed up till three o'clock. <laughs> I stayed up till three o'clock in the morning to watch it live here. And it, because it held so much more than just the choice of whether we were allowed to have an abortion or not. It held all the years that we've been oppressed as Irish women and held down and, and all the years of guilt and shame that have just been like piled on top of Irish women for so long for like the list goes on and on and on of, of things that we've, we've, we've accepted. And so, um, yeah, so I kind of feel like the, the, the report in Ireland wasn't able to come out really like on the gender disparity until we start looking at yeah. the deep-seated roots and causes of why there is such a bias towards like male artists, male musicians, male poets, male writers, male directors, male everything in Ireland is very much focused on that. Mm. Sorry, that was a rant now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It really gives us some understanding. So you're a mother of three children. Three, yeah. And did you come over with them from Ireland or conceived one of them here or they all came with you? Yeah, my my youngest was conceived here. Yeah, was born here. And yeah, we came over as a family. Um, the global financial crisis hit Ireland pretty hard and um, their dad was out of work. So we came over, um, yeah, as kind of economic immigrants really to, to try to, to provide for the kids really was the, was the future goal for me. um, It was also, you know, there had been, um, a separation and incidents of violence back in Ireland and he had promised you know like the grass is always greener on the other side I suppose and if we just do this everything and you know I look back now and I was like so naive and very young to think that changing countries and moving away from every support network I ever had was a wise thing to do but yeah it just got worse as soon as we got here and um yeah, so that's that's how we ended up here. I mean, I'm not going to talk about myself on this podcast, but let's just <laughs> say I have a lot of empathy in what you're saying right now. Oh. I had a similar experience where I was also promised and moved to another place and taken away from my family and it got worse. So I know the strength that it takes to leave that situation. So I can completely empathise with you. So you are, you left that situation and you were able to move with your kids up the coast and yeah. living in, I want to get it right, a Bedford bus yes. <laughs> from 1966. Yeah. 
this is when the journey you you start to find your worthiness and you start to really step into mm. your power would you say yeah i mean i had started playing music a bit in australia i suppose before the um the end of the relationship but i took a massive leap of faith sort of into the unknown i basically i knew i was going to be because of court cases and everything that was happening i knew i couldn't fly back home to ireland really and i was like okay well we can be the victims of this and sit in a house here and in our victimhood and i can be imprisoned in a way you know or i can rewrite the story and turn it into an adventure for me and the kids and so i took the adventure <laughs> and i remember being you know at one of the darkest of my life and a friend of mine I was like I just want to buy a bus and take off and my friend beautiful Sarah Carroll was like I have a friend that has a 1966 Bedford bus and it has Tassie oak floors and I was like I want that bus yeah. and uh, Dougie whose bus it was when I did call him he was like you don't want this bus right this is nine ton there's no power steer and it's like a truck I was like I'll let me help you find a Toyota Coaster or like a yeah. modern bus and I was like nah that's my bus <laughs> and so he helps me do it up with bunk beds at the back for the kids and and we've we toured around Australia kind of on a just a loop of me playing gigs and trying to, I was a teacher at the time. And so I had no business sort of like setting off into the distance in a bus. I had a stable job. The kids were, you know, happy, but I just said, um, yeah, we, we needed to rewire our brains in a way and, and rewrite the story, the kids and myself. And also the, Living on a bus, we, you know, we you have no choice but to be a unit, and and I'm sure with yourself as well. Like it, it's hard. Like I remember the first picture that a friend of mine took with just me and the kids. I was like, this is so weird because mm. your idea of what the unit is was like yeah. a mom and a dad and the kids, and and so the bus in itself kind of helped us create what our unit is now you know me and the three kids and we're you know we're like a force to be reckoned with the four of us you know, now. Mm -hmm. and living and traveling and adventuring and touring and 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 meeting you know I think we adopted a family all around Australia because everyone was like what is this mad Irish woman doing on the bus with three kids <laughs> three playing kids. music yeah. like <laughs> and we have so many beautiful places where we'd stop off along the way so the kids gained uncles and aunties and cousins and and this beautiful um flow that that we call life now um yeah. i mean my eldest was heading into high school and so i really felt that she needed um settling and and after touring so much the northern rivers were kind of the place that we would always spend extra time in on the tour diary so we did that for kind of four years there's this kind of loop and um, we'd always spend extra time up here. So I just was like, I think this is where, this is where we need to settle. So, yeah, so we're here. And, and I tour, you know, we adventure in different ways now, you know. I mean, not now, obviously, with COVID. But, you know, they've been all around Europe with me and America. And we tour as a little unit still, I suppose. Mm. 
And the latest album you had to do, Return to Sea, is that where you did the crowdfunding and you were at a point where you had a few days left to make up this amount of money? And I'm mentioning this because I think it really shows your decision. You could be a victim or you can make a choice to to do something and take action here and make a change. Mm. And I, I've watched a fascinating interview with you. I can't remember who it was with, but you were at that point where you were explaining that you had three days left and you had walked along the beach and, you know, you were just describing, actually, I think it was, yeah, it was an interview and you were describing the emotions that you went through that gave you that idea of what you were going to do next, because it's not something that just happens. It's a process that you have to recognize and listen and be aware, don't you? So true. You can fall into, I've had it. I'm a victim. I give up. I'm a single mom. It's not possible. Right. Yeah. And it's so easy to fall into that story of like, you know, what, who do I think I am? Like, what, what do I think I'm doing here? Like who, who gives me the right to try to step out of my lane and do something totally, you know, different. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I, I, I had crowdfunded my first album and I suppose at that time crowdfunding was a very new thing as well. And so I, I, I didn't really have much of a fan base and it just it crowdfunded and it was really easy like it was just kind of like okay this is easy so when it came to my second album a few years later I was like okay this is I just do what I did last time and it does the thing yeah. and I I in yeah I was about nine or nine thousand dollars down and it was one of those ones where if you don't reach the target on time you don't get any of it and and I um yeah, I was like, I, I don't know what, I, I've done all the things that I, I did last time and they're not working, basically. Mm. So either A, I'm really crap and nobody wants to listen to my music, right? Which can bellow <laughs> really loud, can't it? It can be like, oh yeah. no one likes me like, anymore, I'm old, I'm um, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't like your first album, you know, yeah. they don't want this and here you are asking for money again and, you know, na na na. like yeah. that's loud, right? Yeah. Um, or else I can figure out what is going on here. And so I kind of, I, I had noticed, it was actually a, 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 someone messaged me and she had been on, she had originally crowdfunded my first album and she followed me on Instagram and Facebook and she's on my emailing list, right? Mm-hmm. This, this lovely lady. So like you'd say a, a fan, a super fan mm-hmm. or whatever. And she messaged me with like two days to go and was like, are you doing a crowdfund again? And I was like, how do you not? Like, I feel like I've been slamming social media. Like, I feel like I've been the most annoying person in the world. And I kind of was like, how did you not? Anyway, I was like, yes. But that made me start thinking, you know, that. And I looked at my email, you know, list thing, and it it tells you how many people have opened it. And I was like, it's not, it's not because they, haven't seen it and don't want it some of them haven't seen it because now we deal with spam filters facebook ads and you know like all these algorithms that weren't didn't exist three years ago when i was doing it so i kind of in my head was like okay there's other things at play here so i could fall into this you know um i'm not good enough thing or i can try to get the message out that i am crowdfunding and I have these new songs and if people want it and, and will they listen to it? And, and I was on the beach and I was running in and I was, you know, feeling like this is never going to happen kind of thing. And then I was like, this, 
you don't give up on you. Like you, you're not a quitter. All right. <laughs> and if you're going to go down, you're going to go down, you know, with a, a fight, <laughs> a, a fight. Exactly. Yeah. So I, so I just was like the, the thing that way, it was new at the time, which now, you know, COVID times, everyone is at it, but it, Facebook live streaming was new at the time. And so I just was like, all right, if I just sit online and play music until this um, uh, crowd funds. And my theory behind it was just, if people hear the songs and they connect with it, like mm. I, if, if that happened to me, I would want to order the album and support it because it's just a pre-order of the album. And so I thought at least I can do that. You know, I can't, I can't spend thousands on Facebook ads and change algorithms and, you know, get someone to fix spam filters like I'm not capable of that but um what I can do is you know give it 110 percent until the end and so it ended up being a 24-hour stream and then it it um <laughs> it uh it crowdfunded but it was the most beautiful experience probably of my creative life in a way because I I got to see the power of social media in a beautiful way and it changed it it changed it changed me in that way because I was like you know social media isn't just this like dirty word and this thing that like you have to do for your job it's it's a way of gathering community and 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 sharing stories and being together when you can't be together yeah. and I think in covid times everyone has learned that now do you know what I mean sure. um for me, the 24 hour stream was like, wow, this is like, it's, it's actually wholesome. There's some beautiful things. And yes, we can all get distracted down dark, deep holes of social media as well. And it can be unhealthy, but I got to see this beautiful connected yeah. energy and this way of, you know, sharing and healing and stories and people like people's stories to me after that 24 hours you know you just never know and and that's why I've, i i do it every sunday and i've yes. done it for 111 weeks now you're right? up to 111 virtual cup of teas in the bus. Yes. <laughs> and today is and, the 11th of august which i love that we're chatting today oh, so but yeah tell it's everyone like about the, the virtual cup of teas you could have guests on and it's yeah it's in the bus yeah. so it's because of people's stories that i was like oh the, I have to do this. Like I have to turn up at a regular time every week. And you know, when I was touring and everything was crazy and busy, I'd still just like put the phone on and sit down and have a quick chat. You know, sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's like four hours. You know what I mean? But, um, you just don't know what it's like in day to day life as well. You don't know what people's struggles are or what they're facing or who they are. And, and music is such a powerful medium to to help and and be of service you know i i think for me like that is where i find you know even when i was teaching or or whatever i've been doing in life when you when i feel i'm being of service like that's that's my that's my thing in life you know yeah and and when i i you know, hear stories of people who are having a really rough time in those 24 hours and that 24 hour stream kept them going, you know, whatever was going on in their life or, you know, people that tuned in and met other people online and have started friendships and different things across the world, you know, and I was like, oh, 
Yeah, so every Sunday I I I do a virtual cup of tea and and up until 100 they were going out on Facebook every Sunday and now um and now I've moved it over to Patreon. Um and it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful community there and for like $3 a month you support an artist and 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 they give you rewards in return or whatever it's kind of like a more wholesome version of crowdfunding because it's like yep. a this long-term relationship and, and and I love that I mean that that's what that's what the cup of teas are about you know they're just about community and connecting and and yes I have songs and you can request some and we can chat and all that sort of stuff but it's really just about having that community time and there's some people who have been there every single cup of tea you know from mm. the start and there's some people that are there one you know every 50 and and we welcome I welcome all of them and everyone welcomes them and um for me the Patreon is it's it's just I mean it's the reason we call you now is even coming out because little donation from a, a, a group of people a month meant that I had the money to record to shoot a video and to you know release it and without that there's no way the track could be coming out, you know? So, I mean, I, I've become like a Patreon addict now. Like I, I don't know, I support like six artists. I'm like, I, I love it. I love, it's just a deeper, yeah, it's a deeper way to kind of support, you know, a few podcasts that I love and different, different things that, 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 uh, that bring me joy every week, you know, for the price of a cup of coffee, like I can, you know, um, forego a cup of coffee to get more joy out of someone's music or podcast or whatever they're doing in life that is of service you know what I mean of service so. and helping creative souls isn't it hmm. sure. yeah so the cup of teas are yeah they're pretty magical and I did a 24-hour one at 100 to um That's to right. celebrate the yeah. first one and I had I don't know, 50 guests or so on it yeah. and um, Bandy helped do the sound yeah. and and it was another one of those moments where like we got this great film crew in, Noli did the film and we had this whole thing and everything was set up and it was all magical. And then right when we pressed live, we realized that the, the big fancy camera kind of overrode the computer system to be able to invite guests on screen. And so again, I was faced with, oh my God, like here it goes it's all destroyed you're an idiot why did you think you would be able to do this you've got like 50 people all over the world and in the end like I had them all call on my phone and I just like held them up on my phone to the microphone and it was actually it, it the, you know a mistake ended up being the most endearing part of the 24 hours because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm holding my friends up on the phone next to the microphone and it just was this like gorgeous yeah, yeah I don't know yeah, love no, just holding them in space. You must be becoming a professional at staying up 24 hours. <laughs> Everyone There's is like, how in do the you tea do that we... <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, how do you do it? What do you... And I, I don't know. I, I like, I, 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 I think maybe yeah, I have like throat and lungs of steel that I can keep singing for 24 hours. Fair yeah. enough. But, um, when you're passionate about something and it's your calling, you know, and it's who you are, like 
time kind of doesn't exist for everyone else. It kind of exists like, Oh, it's 24 hours or whatever, but I could have kept going for another, I don't know, probably another 24 hours. I probably won't try it though, because everyone <laughs> around me. Totally <laughs> There's children in the bus as well. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay, mom, 24 is enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so um, what yeah, I don't know when you, when you're, when you're, when you're on your path, you know like it, the door is open it, it's what's meant to be you just you you turn up and then it it happens I don't know <laughs> yeah well I love that saying where energy goes oh where attention goes energy flows thank you oh I love it <laughs> yes I love that where attention love goes that. energy flows we have covered a lot here today and we've come up to <laughs> how do you feel like we have really I think represented, you know, what an incredible woman you are and oh. <laughs> there's more to see. And I think, you know, from who you are today, you're even becoming an even better version of yourself moment to moment <laughs> as you step oh. into your worthiness and your power and are not, you know, you're really not afraid to, to share the truth, which is oh, own, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's always fear. I think to say to people that, it's not terrifying kind of makes other people feel like you can't do it because you have fear. I think it's just, what do you do with the fear when it comes up? So like, it's a process of kind of, you know, being like, okay, I see you fear, but I'm still going to do it. And, and the, those moments become easier to like overcome each time. Yeah. If, if you know what oh, I mean. I totally and so what you're saying, I mean, and it's a really important point you made because it's not that the fear and those negative comments don't come into my space still or your space. Mm. You know, women often say, you know, how do you do what you do with four children? And it's not that I don't have those moments when I can't get out of bed or I'm tired or that, you know, it's, it's about I'm catching it quicker now and I'm recognising okay. you don't serve me where I'm going. Thank you. You can be sitting over there, but I'm going to go this way, you know. Yeah. So it's great. Really nice yeah, that you recognize it. that you acknowledge that. So people are yeah. going, she's amazing. You know, that's for her, but I'm going to step over here and be quiet because that's yeah. not what we're saying here today. Yeah. That the fear will come up and, and there's always things to overcome. Even, even when you think you see someone completely in their power and all that sort of stuff that, yeah, there are moments where I am completely there and I have no fucks given about anything, but there's other moments where I'm like battling all the same things that we all battle as, as humans, you know? And I think that, um, yeah, it's, we're, we're all, we're all in this ship together, just trying to figure it out. Hey, (laughs) sure. Are there three things that you can, um, share with us that help you you know, get, get out of that fear emotion and, and just be able to step into your power. Are there some rituals or practices that you do on a weekly basis that help you? Oh, um, (laughs) yeah. It's one of mine. Um, (laughs) Remember to drink tea and and eat food. Sometimes like I get so like, and then my brain goes foggy and I think I'm like, the worst person in the world and then I'm like I haven't I didn't eat today did yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> so like those little self-care those little self-care things are they're actually really important because I can get like hyper focused on something and just like 
go. Um, uh, having supportive, you know, I, I think it's really important to have supportive people who get what you're about, mm-hmm. who you can bounce, you know, like even last night I called Emily. I was like, what, who do I think I am releasing this track? You know, I had that, that moment Emily's like, I got your back, you know, and, and I'd be the same, I, the same for her every time she has, because the doubts come up and, and it's important to have, um, you know, there's always going to be people in your life that want your light to be dimmer because in some way it makes them feel safer and whatever they're doing and who they are in life. And, and, um, and it can be totally subconsciously. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're not out there to make you feel bad and, you know, friendships that, that have been around for a long time or family or, or different things that they, they, they're confronted maybe by the, the bigness or the, or the, you know, what you're trying to do. And so I just think it's always important to have, you know, a core group of people that really get, yes, they really get you and get, get who you are. And that when, when you're taking big, bold steps that you have this sort of like, um, squad, you know, <laughs> squad behind you. And for me, they come from all different walks of life and, and it's not necessarily all creative creatives in my life or but having having some really strong you know allies on whatever your path is 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 important um and then I I suppose it's it's also you know I mean I say it in the track I I suppose remember who you are and remember all that you've overcome and remember you know all the things that you've there's an internal fire in all of us that is way more powerful than we give ourselves credit for you know and um yeah I think sometimes we can get distracted by what everyone else thinks or what everyone else says or what we think we should be doing or who we think we should be for for people but that that really touching back in with who you are and that that inner knowing is you know that that gut instincts you know knowing whatever you want to call it like it's it's that for me it's a like this fire inside and I, and I I I guide myself as in like what's the next thing to do or the next thing to do on on what feels right there and and every time I ignore that it's always a disaster you know what I mean like every I time I try mean. to every time think I try it. to overthink yep. it you know yep. I try to override yep. that fire with my thoughts, yep. like my brain or, or, or what I've filtered in from Rational. the world, yep. Yep. <laughs> it's always a disaster. Like it, it never ends well. But every time I t- really, and business decisions, life decisions, kid decisions, romantic decisions, whatever, like all of them, like I, if, if I touch in with, with that, then it's always right. <laughs> so, yeah. So remember... Yeah, remember, it's there and who you are, and that that we all have that fire. Mm, beautiful. How can we um, support you and connect? How can people connect to Patreon and what's happening at the moment with the virtual cup of teas? Do you want to direct them to some places? Yeah, yeah. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Anya Terrell Music, which is A I N E M T Y R R E L L. 
um, that's where Patreon happens. And I do a preview on Facebook every night because I know for some people, um, $3 a month is, you know, not possible. There is a time in my life where that was impossible with three kids and I don't want to not um, serve the people that also need that. So there's a preview that goes out on Facebook every Sunday as well for like 15, 20 minutes. And then I do the full concert over on Patreon. And, you know, for me, it's also like a model of sort of soundness, like, you know, whatever you can afford if you want to contribute to it that's great but I'm also there in other spaces if you can't you know and I, I think you know that that it's uh, um yeah those on Patreon have supported the release of this track for all the other people that can't but there's other people that need to hear it not just the Patreon people do you know what I mean yes. so um so yeah on Instagram and Facebook and websites and we'll share all, all the all links places yep. <laughs> yeah but um but I suppose for the for the more in-depth sharing and and more you know of who I am and, and what I do Patreon is sort of the space that I that I offer more of that to um because yep. it's just a beautiful it's, it's a beautiful thing that creates between you know musicians and and people who want to support their music Mm. let's finish up now we 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 call you now there it's been released tomorrow and there's a film clip coming out is that right yes. tomorrow yeah yeah <laughs> where are they going to find this track all the places youtube yep. spotify itunes my website if you'd like to support it directly by buying the download my website will be the best place for that or itunes um yep but it'll be on all the all the platforms and the video will be on YouTube. Yeah. Right, beautiful. Do you want to finish up with sharing a song or do you want to share a statement about, you know, the song coming out? What, how do you want to wrap it up today? Um, yeah, maybe I'll do a, yeah, a song. Okay. I'm trying to think. Um, I won't do that one because that's like it. No, that's <laughs> seven minutes Smackdown and you have to go check it out. It will be released. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll grab my banjo. I'll uh, play a tune on that. Yeah, I inspire you all to get listening to this track and play it on replay. Um, I love right. the banjo. <laughs> Such a beautiful instrument. And that's the instrument that your dad played. Yeah, yeah, he's a tenor banjo player, same as this, which is an Irish banjo. It has Irish, yeah. four strings, whereas like the most of the banjos you see um, around are five string, like American banjos. Okay. Yeah, so this is a tenor banjo, they're called. And is that coming out for you? Yeah, it's great. Okay, lovely. Um, this is Hope Will See Me Through, and it's on um, Return to the Sea. And I wrote it... Um, when I was living in Victoria, after we had got the bus, actually, we were down the Great Ocean Road down near the Wye River fires when those went through, which now seem really tiny, but at the time they were, they were massive. But compared to this last summer here in Australia, they, they were quite um, devastating. And 
being Irish, I suppose I, I knew nothing about bushfires. <laughs> and so when I was searching up just really how to be safe and whether we were safe where we were, I just kept on the Google searching of, you know, what happens in bushfires and came across this beautiful fact about a grass tree, which is a native uh, plant to Australia, which lays dormant on the um, forest floor like all the time. But when a fire comes through, it sends off a shoot. Mm -hmm. And then the rain that comes after the fire makes this beautiful blossom. And I just thought it was the most amazing analogy for life at the time that, you know, we, we go through these dark really difficult fiery times and then there's a relief of rain that comes at some stage and then this flower emerges that we never knew was going to be there you know and um yeah I suppose it's a it's it's a song for where we are right now all collectively all over the world we're we're in the fire and there will be the rain that comes through at some stage and and I think as a collective around the world, there'll be this beautiful flower that comes out. But we don't know what that is yet, but yep. we all hang on for hope, which is where the song has come from. step outside will I burn in the inferno will I freeze all of tomorrows if I wager warmth away will it regrow if it look the same or will the forest be forever altered I don't know how to pray but I'm down on my knees, I don't know what to say, I am begging, come see me through, hope will see me through, hope will see me through.
crumbs of flowers I don't know how to pray But I'm down on my knees I don't know what to say I am begging Come see me through Hopeless see me through Hopeless see me through Oh, thank you so much, Anya Terrell. It's beautiful. Aww. I actually listened to that song um, recently and it, yeah, it was one of the songs. I mean, many of your songs touched me, but that was one of the songs for this time that really resonated with me and brought me, you know, tears to my eyes. Um, <laughs> it is a very unknown time and I think that hope is, we need faith and hope. And I don't mean in a religious way, but just that hope of that fire that you're talking about within us all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, since actually the bushfires, I, I haven't done a gig or a live stream where it hasn't been requested. Mm. And I I was just like, yeah, so I, I I do sort of like to play it every time because I feel like there's so much that's going on in the world and there's so much divisiveness on our news feeds and on our wherever we turn there's you know so much and and um yeah and, and hope is really the thing that we all have to hold on to collectively and so many people doing it hard and struggling and and yeah all over the world right now and yeah, yeah so I don't know it reminds us all back of that so yeah it brings us back <laughs> to that love vibration um, yeah. hope thank you so much for being part of one thank you podcast. <laughs> so beautiful thank you so much so beautiful thank you Space love, one space love.